we want to say thank you to our sponsors, Watchman Cigars, Red Hill Brewing, Crave Bath and Body, and Level Up Logo. Without you guys, this episode would not be possible. Hey, hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, where it's our take on life, liberty, and the pursuit of gravy. While you, the listener, are invited to the front porch, grab a beverage, and set a spell. We've got a great show lined up for you, as always. This week, we will be continuing our series and the pursuit of things we love. We have Becky Santoro. Becky is a co-founder of Foster Village, a 501c3 organization, the summer of 2018. Since then, Foster Village, uh, Charlotte, has experienced explosive growth. I'm sure we'll talk about explosive growth on the show, Uh, but we are excited to have her on the show. And without further ado, let me go ahead and introduce you to our starting lineup. We got Aaron on the show. Hello. Producer Brian. Hey, hey, hey. And I, of course, be your illustrious host, Biggin. And how about you? Uh, Ryan is off on assignment doing something that we um, have not asked him to do. So I don't know what he's doing. Uh, producer brian where can where can people find us on those socials well if you go to google.com and you search for best southern podcast Mm -hmm. and then hit the next button about a hundred times what you might find us but if you don't have the time and patience for that go to sfpradio.com where you can see all of the, the great things we're doing here all the fun stuff you can link to all of our social accounts facebook twitter Instagram, Twitch, TikTok, whatever, you name it. Whatever what's, whatever the next thing that's going to happen, we'll, we'll be there too. Uh, you can always go to YouTube.com forward slash Southern Fried Philosophy to see any video content. We have a great video up there. But if you want to know how to make biscuits and gravy, we partnered with uh, Jim Purvis, the bearded mm-hmm. home cook for that. That was a lot of fun. By the way, we're number three. If you type in best Southern podcast, we're really? three. We're number three on Google? Three. Wow. Oh, wait, which way? I feel like a weatherman. Okay. I gotta go. Okay. All right. Wait. I oh, this is the corrected. other way. Ah. I didn't actually I do the research it. on that. There we are. See the logo at the very bottom? I see it. Right there. Yeah. Three. Podcast yeah. series. Yeah, we're three. Wow. Uh, Southern fried true crime number one and then southern mysteries podcast so we've got we've got some work to do Best. uh ladies I, and gentlemen i'm gonna we can, verify your results real quick just because all right i well, think you might have there. doctored that real quick i just did it um well we're gonna announce our funniest voicemail winner the winner of twenty dollars you clearly folks do don't move the noodle the needle for money or the noodle uh, I don't know what I could do to make you guys get money, but we tried our very best. Uh, anyway, our funniest voicemail uh, has to go to default to Lee because he left three. We only played one. <laughs> so I guess he gets 20 bucks. <laughs> Y'all, uh, seriously, what do I need to do to give you guys to? Well, you know, know, sketch left the joke that you didn't get. I thought that was pretty funny, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just for hard work, I yeah, think sure. Lee should, yeah, because yeah. he did three. He put the time so, and effort in, for sure. Yeah, he, he, he put in the work, the effort, <laughs> which means just leaving a voicemail for 20 bucks. I mean, y'all, do you realize if there was a contest and I could do something for 20 bucks, what that would be? Like, I would take a picture of me, like, 
almost naked and post it online for oh, 20 bucks. For 20 bucks? 20, 20 bucks. All right. You heard it here first, yeah. guys. <laughs> what would you guys do for 20 bucks? What's the maximum thing you would do for 20 bucks? <laughs> Mm. Oh, I would I would eat a Burger King for twenty dollars. <laughs> would that would that cover your meal and the twenty bucks? No, you need to get. A, I'm not. I'm not. Yes, no. I'm not pay, paying for it. And like someone else has to buy it and give me twenty dollars. Aaron, why would the you hate on Burger King? <laughs> I kind of like Burger King. It's a, it's a mutual dislike. I promise you. Oh man. <laughs> Aaron, what's the most um, or the least thing that you would do for twenty bucks? Um, maybe like eat something spicy. Okay. I don't know because I don't really like right. spicy. <laughs> I wouldn't. Do a lot. It would have to be like a lot of money for me to do something like crazy. <laughs> but right. so I've got to. We've got to either. I mean, I would leave a voicemail. I would do would, that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, would do that. Hard, right? Like I'm not laughing because I'm on the podcast. So. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all are missing out. I'm trying to give you free money. At this point, I think Lee's won like 200 bucks just because he listens to the show. Just because he listens, yeah. He's, he's paying <laughs> other people. He's telling other people not to do it so that he can oh. get the $20. So he, this is the worst. And he's like putting out the. He has producer Brian. He's like, this is the worst podcast ever. Don't listen to it because I'm going to take all the money. It's actually genius. Way to go, Lee. All right. Well, you'll get your other 20 bucks coming up here soon. Uh, we're literally paying people to listen to the show. You should get a, so like, send it to them with some foreign currency too. I can give them some euros. I can do go. that. Oh yeah, just don't okay. exchange them. There you go. Yeah, that might be a better deal for them anyway. <laughs> it's, yeah, the euros are like one point one six dollar. Like our dollars crap anymore. Oh, well, uh, hey, we want to give a shout out to our listener from Arkansas. Uh, since Ryan's not here, that job and duty has been passed to Brian. So, Brian, what are some interesting facts against or uh, about Arkansas? Probably against two. Arkansas, Arkansas has the only active diamond mine in the United States. Hmm. Uh, uh, this is my favorite. It's my probably my favorite one. Well, not my favorite, but it is illegal to mispronounce Arkansas while in the state. <laughs> So everyone oh, listening in Arkansas, turn this up real loud or in rewind, see what happens. <laughs> uh, let's see here. It is illegal for dogs to bark after 6 p.m. in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I understand that. Um, while it is legal to shoot bears in Arkansas, waking a sleeping bear for the purpose of taking a photograph is prohibited. <laughs> You know somebody had to do that, right? Yeah. Uh, it <laughs> yeah. is illegal to keep an alligator in your bathtub in Arkansas. <laughs> Anywhere nice. else is fine, I guess. Okay, uh, like, yeah, I mean, he goes in the bed. You snuggle with it. It's fine. Let me find one more. Mm. Um, By the way, you're doing a much better job than, than Ryan does. <laughs> I love you, Ryan, but... <laughs> Oh, I'm trying to find another good one. Um, they have a Bigfoot there, known as the Boggy Creek Monster. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's said to be seven feet tall, hairy all mm. over, and kills chicken, cattle, dogs, and livestock. 
Uh, I hate to break those. Isn't Ryan also in Arkansas? He was in Alabama last we checked. Oh, okay. That's right. He could be there by now, I'm sure. He could be. Maybe he's a bald monster. He's not seven feet tall. That's the only problem. You're right. And he smells Uh, good. The bog monster probably doesn't smell good. I I would think. Well, they can probably fix that with some uh, Crave Bath and Body products, right? Exactly. Just lay some out, just, you know, buy your cattle and see if the bog monster needs some. Oh man, Aaron, do you do you believe in monsters and or aliens? Um, yes and no. Okay, which one uh, do you? I'm I'm gonna say no. Okay, but then well, who was it? Uh, the Pentagon or something came out and was like, "There are aliens." So then I was like, "What is? Wait, is it real?" <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Blew your mind. <laughs> I don't have to think about it too much because it <laughs> freaks me out. <laughs> so no to monsters, yes to aliens. And I'm with you. Because I may have said so. I don't know uh, what to believe anymore. Uh, here's a fun one. A fun okay. Well, it's fun for 50% of the population, maybe. Uh, oh, in boy. the state of Arkansas, a man can legally beat his wife, but not more than once a month. Wow. Quiet. Uh, yeah, that's not fun. That's, 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 how is that fun? I was, it was a, it's a joke. Like, okay. Uh, how, in, in Arkansas, how many times can Hillary make fun of Bill a month, mm. you think, without it being illegal? <laughs> hey, has anybody question. been through Arkansas, by the way? I've been to Arkansas. Mm, no. I've been to Little Rock. I stayed at the Bill Clinton Presidential Holiday Inn. Hmm. Yep. How was that experience? That was where I had my first bourbon, actually, in that hotel. Okay. So yeah. fond memories. Fond memories. I mean, memories yeah. is, is loose there, but <laughs> I was there. You had, you had your first and multiple bourbons, it sounds like. my that first trip. four bourbons in that. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I, I look, whoever's listening to Arkansas, I love you. I'm not trying to put you down, but your state has got awful. It is the worst to drive through. I'm sure that if you live there, you'll agree. When we lived in Texas, driving from Kentucky to uh, to Texas, it, Arkansas was the worst. It was like Georgia, but with nothing there. You know how long Georgia takes to drive through if you're going mm-hmm. straight through? It's like that, but there's literally nothing there. And then there's a Bentonville, Arkansas Little Rock, but then nothing else in the entire state. It Have you driven miserable. through Indiana? Yes. It's worse than Indiana. Okay. Much worse than okay. Indiana. Just make sure. I heard, <laughs> I heard Nebraska is actually the worst, but I've never been that far out. So at least in Nebraska, you can you can let her eat and you know, let her go as fast as you want, but not in Arkansas. Nope. All right, last one. In Little Rock, no person shall sound the horn on a vehicle at any place. Where cold drinks or sandwiches are served after 9 p.m. <laughs> Very specific. Who is coming up with these? I just need to know. Seriously. <laughs> is it the subway so outside of some gas station, you know, in Arkansas? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's good old boy stuff going on there in Arkansas, mm-hmm. then, if that's the case. All right. So I'm going to ask you guys, like I ask you every week, brought to you by Crave Bath and Body. How you be doing? I'm going to go to Brian first. 
Ryan, how you been doing? <sighs> um, I'm doing pretty good. I uh, we took our kids snow tubing this weekend. Mm-hmm. Okay, you, you ever been? Uh, just got on the inner tube and slid down a hill for no mm-hmm. reason. Yep. Yep. Ever, ever paid money to do it? <laughs> uh, I no. I made the church pay it. Yeah. Uh, it was a good time. I, I really enjoyed it. It was super cold, which helps with that. You know, because mm-hmm. you know if you've ever been skiing in North Carolina. It doesn't. We don't get a ton of snow, so you have to wait till it's cold so they can make snow, so mm-hmm. you can pretend like you're skiing. Because it's not the same as the real stuff. I don't care how they do mm-hmm. it, but yeah. So busy weekend. Um, just got really. It was really tiring. You know, I forgot. Yeah. I forgot my CPAP, so no one got any sleep. Oh you know? no! Oh no! <laughs> That's the worst, oh, right? No, that is. I the didn't worst. sleep, and no one else slept because. Well, do you snore? You might say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. I, it, it, sometimes at night to get some sleep, I'll try to put my CPAP on my wife's face right. just to help stop See that. What happens? Yeah, yeah. That doesn't doesn't work if you, out. If you're well. not used to that, it's kind of like trying to suffocate somebody. Probably, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it takes a while to get used to, man. Just, but is it just like oxygen? It's yeah, it's pressure. just air that blows through. Yeah, pressurized. It's, it's not like air. It's not like you're breathing through a scuba tank. It's just mm-hmm. pressure. It's just that's how they explained it to me. Like you couldn't okay. just, like, jump in the bathtub with that on. You you drown. So <laughs> okay, yeah. It's, air going it's like you know, it's like, like the you wobbly know, man you, uh, at you, the, in front of the car dealership. It's just doing that inside your <laughs> yes. windpipe. Well, <laughs> it's the wobbly man. That's actually pretty legit. The wobbly man in your mouth. Well, that that sounded horrible. <laughs> and there's a show title. <laughs> uh, but it's like, you know, do you snore, Aaron? Or like, you no, know, I don't actually. You know, I'm, but I'm like, gonna you're, I'm gonna text you, someone to verify that. Yeah, real quick. you can verify that. Um, uh, okay, <laughs> verify because. <laughs> I I have asked him because he snores so bad. Like Jack's mm. he is oh my god, it's so loud. And I get so mad. <laughs> like I'm like, can you not? And he told me one time that I sleep I'm not kidding, I'm not making this up. Like I'm not just saying it. <laughs> he said that I sleep so peacefully. Like I'm so quiet that he will wake up in the morning, he gets up like really early before me and he'll be like is she still breathing? Like that is how quiet I am. Wow. <laughs> That's, That's fantastic. I almost don't believe him, but mm. he says it's true. So I don't know. <laughs> so I've got an extra CPAP. We'll just give it to Jack and then that'll make him stop snoring. Oh yeah. We'll Honestly, that'd be great. Yeah. I'm, I hate it. Yeah. So uh, Aaron, how you been doing? I'm good. I'm good. I had a good weekend. I had the whole weekend off from work. Ooh, it was great. Nice. I didn't. Uh, Jack was out of town last week a little bit. So he was gone for like four days and he's never been gone that long. Never, like, wow. Oh, no. He doesn't go out of town for work like ever. So he was gone for like four days and that was crazy. And I was like, weird. And then... <laughs> 
I was like, I don't know how people do this. This is weird. <laughs> um, but <laughs> he got back Thursday and then, um, yeah, we had a good weekend. We just like hung out and we didn't get to see each other on Valentine's Day. So we kind of mm. went to dinner and then just like, you know, made up for that. So. And, you know, made up for yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> At some hello time. That's what we say on the show. <laughs> At some hello time. <laughs> Well done, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no um, comment. Yeah, sure. We got you. Big enough, you return. I'm, I'm. Oh God, bless a bear. Um, well, here's the thing: if you're listening to the show, uh, in 24 hours, I'm going to be on a plane going to Italy. Um, if you're, um, yeah. So right. So you're going to release this. We're, rec- we're pre-recording this. I'm going to let that pre-recording. out of the so bag 24 there. hours now of the recording, I'll be on the plane. Yeah. When you hear this episode, I'll be 24 hours getting ready to get on a plane from Italy. Mm. And 24 hours ago, I did not know if at all we were going to Italy. Um, I oh. had massive um, – exp- what, what did we say earlier? Oh, uh, uh the foster village had explosive growth. I had oh. explosive growth coming up the downstairs and a little bit of the upstairs. Oh. From Monday until today, like it was or yesterday, it was pretty bad. Like Jess and I both felt horrible. It was miserable. Mm. Um, so it's it's been a long weekend. We were like texting our uh, travel planner, like, "Hey, what's the what's the idea if we have to like." bail out of this thing and it was a lot of money and we probably wouldn't make the trip again and all this kind of stuff. So, uh, I called, uh, my doctor and she said, go take some probiotics, took some probiotics a little bit later, feeling much better. Um, so we're still, we're back on the going to Italy track, but it has been <laughs> a disastrous, um, week at this point. Um, we, we haven't backed it. I've thrown stuff in a bag, but I don't know if it's right or not. Uh, huh. We get on a flight at five. We have to leave here at two forty-five, so we may or may not have stuff. PM. Oh, PM. Yeah, okay. PM. That's, that's yeah. important. So that's in my head, be... I'm branding this as Biggin's European Vacation, kind of like mm-hmm. National Lampoon style. Like sure. The big yellow letters. Yeah. I, I can't wait to hear. Like, it's antics. mainly going to be. There's everybody's like, take pictures, take pictures. Oh, fine, I'll take pictures. But it's mainly, I feel like, going to be in the back of, like, it's going to be the, the door of the bathroom, really, is all you're going to see. Oh. So, we should see. We'll see. Cause some, we'll see. <laughs> I'm just, so here it optimistic. is. I'm, I'm petrified of this 10-hour flight. Like, uh, I'm so yeah, scared of being on the plane. <laughs> it's going to be miserable. Uh, and I have no bidet, so I, there's no bidet on the plane. So. Oh, you got that half ply toilet paper on there, though. No, oh, that'll that'll work out well. Yeah, let me tell you that. Jeez, Louise. So, um, anyway, uh, next week we have Jim Purvis. Uh, uh, so he is the bearded home cook. He will be taking uh, my stead. So he will be on the show. You guys can talk food, um, all that fun stuff. So. That'll be good. Let me ask you guys this question. Uh, was there any backlash from your spouses from last week's episode? Was everybody was there any argumentative things afterwards? No. No. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> argumentative? No, we, we still disagreed on a couple of points from the newlywed game. Uh, our, our children would not settle the debate for us on who was funnier. That's funny. You know, things like that. That's great. Um, cool. It was fine. Yeah, we, it wasn't quiet for three days or anything. So, yeah. Okay, well, that's that's good. Oh, uh, just wait till the questions ramp up next year. Hmm? You'll, oh, you'll love them. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Southern phrase of the week is she's got gumption. Gumption is spirit, courage, spunk, boldness, or initiative. If someone tells you that you've got gumption, you should thank them and then walk a little taller because you've received a lovely Southern compliment. Southerners adopted this phrase wholeheartedly from its early usage in the 1700s, England and Scotland, where it meant common sense. In the 1900s, the word, the word evolved, taking on a Southern spin, as well as a new meaning such as courage and get up and go. So I thought that was interesting. Gumption. Mm, I've heard that word. Meant common sense originally. So, mm-hmm. oh. That is, yeah, I never would have thought of that as, I guess, because I grew up here. So, courage or mm. like, yeah, courage or that was another another word for that motivation, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Have you heard Erin Gumption? She's got gumption. Yes, I have. Uh, I didn't. There you go. I didn't think it was a southern word, but I guess that makes sense. Or like that. Yeah, I kind of thought what Brian thought. I thought, like, strong-headed or something like that. Well, there you go. Um, <clears throat> Producer Brian, you've got a story about a chicken sandwich. I always have a story about chicken sandwich. <laughs> I had a chicken sandwich this weekend, by the way, also. Uh, from where? Uh, completely unrelated. It was a Hardee's chicken sandwich. It was the hot oh, honey chicken Ooh. sandwich. Thoughts? Uh, it was not bad. I actually, I like honey mm. on chicken. So I did mm. not get the waffle thing because. Yeah. I was going to ask about the waffle thing. I decided, I think you told me it wasn't good. Yeah. And I even asked the, when I was at the register, I was like, which, which one do I want? And she said, one's messier. I was like, let me just get the regular sandwich. I think I knew I'd like the regular sandwich, but I thought it was fine. Uh, it's better than, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd put it right in the middle, you know, thinking about our bracket from last year firmly right in the middle. It's not okay. as good as Zaxby's or Bojangles or KFC, but it might be right there after that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, Aaron, yeah, what do you put on, of, on you, Oh, I was going to ask Aaron, what do you put on your chicken sandwich? Um, cause you just had one I right, from usually the old CFA. Yeah. I just had one from Chick-fil-A. So I do the grilled chicken club and it has bacon and tomato, pickle, lettuce. Definitely got to have some like mustard hmm. or mayonnaise on there. So you don't get like okay. a sauce All the packet. Things. You don't get like Chick Fil A sauce for it, or um, I do sometimes. It depends. Polynesian would be really good on that one. I'm just saying. Hmm. I haven't tried the Polynesian. The That's not my favorite sauce from there, but <laughs> I'm it comes with like, like a honey sauce. <laughs> <laughs> it is good. Yeah. All right, Prince Brown, go ahead. Anyway, speaking of chicken sandwiches, so you know we just talked about Valentine's Day. Um, we kind of, I kind of missed the boat on this, but 
for Valentine's this, this year, KFC came up with the perfect gift. Okay. Um, so they basically they they, they uh, partnered with a company called Pillow Pets and created a oversized chicken sandwich pillow. Mm-hmm. It's a three foot wide stuffed chicken sandwich. It looks like one of their crispy, like those giant breaded chicken mm-hmm. breast fillets. Okay. Um, the pictures, I mean, it, they make the guy in the picture look like the Hamburglar. Remember the Hamburglar from uh, <laughs> right. for the old yeah. McDonald's commercials? It's yeah. basically a chicken sandwich with a head is what, you know, the guy. Hey. Um, it says when you, it looks so lifelike that when you, you squeeze it, you expect to smell the 11 herbs and spices. Uh, there's a hundred dollars. And they only had a hundred dollars. Yeah. For a giant pillow. Would mm-hmm. you snuggle with a giant chicken sandwich pillow? I think that's the question here, right? Maybe for 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah. Like, I mean, if you gave it to me, but I'm not paying a hundred dollars for it. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, I love chicken sandwiches, but I don't know that I would take it. Not a KFC chicken sandwich anyway. Mm. Maybe a. I mean, you don't get to eat the sandwich anyway, so what does it matter? If it it's smelled a like a chicken sandwich, I might be a little more mm. likely, you know. Yeah. I I don't know. Like, my wife, she got this stuff from from one of our foster kids, and, they, and you spray it on there um, to make it. It's like um, lavender to help you sleep and whatnot. The problem is, is it also smells a whole lot like the poopery, the poop, the poopery. Poopery. Right? It's not poop. It's not poopery. Oh, oh that one. The, the, that, the one in you the spray toilet. in the toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Poop. Mm, I think it's poopery. Um, yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah, but, but it smells so much like it. I'm like, mm, I, I don't. Not that it's a horrible smell, but it's a very unique smell. Mm-hmm. I don't want that on my, on my, you know, pillow at night. Right. right, 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 right. And so this was KFC. You said that did this. Yeah, it was. It was KFC. Was the one the partner with? Mm-hmm. Yep. So earlier I asked Erin, which looks like she dropped, um, yes. uh, if she believed in aliens or Bigfoot. One thing that I would also maybe add to the list of things that are so rare that you question yourself um is is does chick-fil-a ever mess up and so while we're talking about chicken nuggets or chicken sandwiches it, it came to my memory that this past week we tried to go to chick-fil-a we went to chick-fil-a and we came home and i ordered the chicken noodle soup because that's all my wife wanted was the noodle soup mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then um and chicken nuggets for a small batch. So I, you know, get the stuff, get in the car, head home, blah, blah, blah. Get home. She goes, she opens the bag. It's chicken tortilla soup. She didn't want the t- tortilla soup. She wanted the noodle soup. Mm. Uh, fine. And then while we're, you know, I'm trying to, ch- <laughs> trying to choke down a chicken sandwich uh, that I had, she, um, she's like, these nuggets are bad. <clears throat> so like, how in the world does Chick-fil-A mess up an order so much? And, uh, 
and like have burnt chicken nuggets. And I smelled them. They smelled bad. Wow. So I had to eat my chicken sandwich, run back to the store. And they said, hey, our chicken nuggets are bad. We don't know what's going on with them. Oh. I mean, that's from a Chick-fil-A. I've never had you bad guys food. Bad food at Chick-fil-A, it's comparable to aliens and and monsters because right. it's so rare that it happens. It's the end times. Like, what in the world? Yeah. It's like Chick Fil A screwed it up. I mean, I've had I've had a rude rude people at Chick Fil A, and by rude mm, I mean they rare. didn't they didn't say my pleasure. They just kind of you know <laughs> they were fed up with me my inability to use a credit card machine, <laughs> and still didn't say, you know anyway didn't say my pleasure. And then like this weekend, I ordered everyone got mac and cheese pretty mm-hmm. much with their meals, but there was no forks or straws in the back. And is it one of those new Chick-fil-A's where they have like a door? Like there's no drive through. It's like a have you seen the ones where there's like a sliding door and like a whole person uh-uh. walks out? They're not like reaching over, dropping stuff on the ground. What? Whoa. It's, yeah. Wow. That's weird. It's it's real it's like a grocery store sliding door, only a small version. Like so in the, some huh. of the newer newer stores. It's really interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I do wonder how like how COVID is going to change like the drive through process it's gonna be interesting and then like especially having such a big footprint will they just go to drive through only yeah well more stores do like that central park style you know where it's just like mm. just start to like double drive through and there's no mm. or sonic was almost like that i guess a drive-in but yeah anyway. so no no errors with your order aaron from chick-fil-a today everything tasted good it was really good all right well there you go all right, guys, so we're going to go ahead and bring in our guests. <clears throat> we actually got a double header this week. You guys may not completely know. Well, we've got with us Becky Santoro and her husband, Tony. They're going to uh, talk to us uh, mainly about Foster Village, but there's something else that we will we'll get into that I'm really excited about. Uh, Becky, you've been on the show with us before. Um, but we are in our series of things that we love and we always want to bring up uh, to our audience and to all of our folks. The things that we love are fostering and adoption. And we absolutely love Foster Village um, of Charlotte. And you guys do such a phenomenal job with that process. Um, but it didn't just poof and then appear. Tell us your story and how did that that the foster adoption process. How did that whole thing begin for you guys? Yeah. Thanks for having us back. We, um, yeah. so Tony and I became foster parents in 2016 and it came about just mainly because we had experience as teachers in the classroom where some of our children mm-hmm. had spent foster care system and We'd had um, family members over the years that had done foster care. So foster care was very much, you know, kind of in our um, realm of possibilities. But we had two young children and we're teachers. And um, so the timing just wasn't right. But when we Mm. left the classroom and headed on to new adventures, um, we still had it on our hearts to to push into that dream. So um, at our 10-year anniversary, I... I um, told Tony this is still very much a a thought that I have, and he agreed. And so we 
took the steps we needed to become foster parents. So um, we became licensed in 2016. An hour after we got fully licensed, we <laughs> were called for our first placement. Um, oh, and wow. it was very fast. Um, <laughs> And I just remember running through Target and trying to remember what a one-year-old girl needs. And we had a two-year-old, or no, we had a three-year-old and a two-year-old at the time, or a four-year-old and two-year-old, both girls. And um, But it was just so, even though I, we had just did, did that, it felt like we had no idea what she needed, what she was coming with, mm. and we needed to go get her now. So we're trying to process this story and, and let our girls know what was happening and um, and running through Target, trying to figure out what diaper <laughs> on us while we go and pick her up. Um, so that was our journey into foster care. And um, long story short, she ha is now our forever daughter. And oh, wow. we moved her brother into our home in 2019. And he is um, our forever son. So now we have 10 kids, 10, 8, 6, and 4. Four kids. No. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Something jumped. He's like 10. I, I thought it was a joke, so I was letting it go. <laughs> like, wait, did you just do something that I didn't know about? <laughs> no, just the four that feel like 10, especially during the pandemic. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. So you mentioned just running through Target um, and just trying to pick stuff up an hour after you guys became foster parents. I remember the first time, you know, we got the call. It was not the first hour. It was several, several weeks after. And still your mind panics trying to figure out what is going to happen. Your whole life is just like, what is, what's about to happen? Um, but what are some roadblocks in the process of fostering, maybe even getting the the clothes and materials that you need for that child and then maybe the process after getting the getting the child that you did you run into that you had no no help with at all that you felt like you needed some yeah i think really early on we were extremely overwhelmed by everything mm -hmm. that was um and we did have a supportive family and and friend community but, and I think we thought that that was going to, you know, sustain us and be our village. Um, and so the roadblock was really internal that we realized we don't know anyone else that's fostering. And this is really difficult um, for people that haven't experienced this type of life. And so it was hard to relate to people. And it was also difficult for um, well-intended family and friends that were asking us questions that were actually really emotionally draining at the time. And so we have um, a fostering community. So that was really the biggest roadblock that that we had. And of course, there were other things that that came along with it that were challenges like, you know, shared parenting and um, learning about the court system and how to navigate, you know, advocating for her needs. But really, it was just lack of a sounding board and really knowing can I say this to my social worker? Am I going to somehow offend someone if I ask this question that we have? Um, and so those were really early on some red flags um, and, and, and honestly the potential 
of the start of Foster Village where it was those roadblocks saying, we actually need people that have done this before or are doing this with us so that we can mm. kind of. Them. Yeah, that's perfect. Because uh, I know it's been such a help and support to have that community as well to, to go to and people that you meet in that community and like, Hey, how do I do this? Or what's going on with that? And um, so, yeah, definitely understand that. Um, So through the process and journey, what was the tipping point that you said enough's enough. We're not getting enough support. I'm going to do my own thing and make this thing happen. Yeah, we, I I think we, so like anything we took to social media and Facebook, you know, we wrote Charlotte and foster care in it and up to pop this little community. And what we didn't know was that was one of the other co-founders of foster village, Charlotte, that was also looking for, um, Mm. and also needing support and a single mom with two kids. And, and then another co-founder popped in and found us who had five girls under the age of five and, um, and so really the tipping point was finding just a few people and, and noticing that we weren't alone, but that everyone was asking the same questions and needing that support. And so it was like, I kind of thought it was our problem, you know, it was like, oh, we, we don't know how to activate our community more, or uh, maybe this is just how it, it is in foster care when you choose to, to foster that you feel different from, from people mm-hmm. or you feel way but then meeting just a few people just really was that aha moment of oh there's something there's something here to this community factor that is missing in our community and um, so that was really the tipping point was meeting other people and we just started really organically going to the library or the park and and posting foster care and Charlotte and seeing who could find us. And it started with just a few families and then started to grow and grow and grow from there. And then we started kind of researching the network and, and asking our social worker and our agency um just is there something like this in Charlotte where people can come together? Is there a list of foster parents in our community that we can pull from and we can, you know, invite them into these groups? And everyone was saying the same thing. No, you you can't have a list. We're all licensed through different mm-hmm. ages and no one talks to each other. Um, and just saying like, we could do that better. Like we should be able to do that better um, so those were some of the tipping points. But then I think I, I'll always go back to a neighbor um, that we didn't know well, but had lived down the road from us. And um, there was a little boy that always came and played in our yard after school. And he was just a sweet kid in the late elementary, early middle school ages and, you know, swinging on our tree and stuff. And um, one day he said, you know, I'm not going to be here anymore. And I was like, oh, y'all moving? What's going on? And he was like, no, I'm a foster kid and um, I'm getting adopted. I'm moving to Raleigh. And I'm moving to Raleigh. And I just was like, this whole time there was a foster parent on my street while I'm, we're over here struggling, trying to figure out how to do the ins and outs of the system. And because we were licensed through different agencies, there really wasn't an opportunity to even know we both were doing this. And we don't have, like, we don't wear a shirt that says, I'm a foster parent, (laughs) right? right? We're we're kind of trying not to tell people in the community that we're foster parents because we don't want to single the kids out. We don't want to single ourselves. Um, And so really, 
we've hidden this problem in our community for so long. Um, and so all of those things combined was kind of the tipping point of there's something needed here in Charlotte. While I would love for someone else to make it because we're still very much branches of foster care and with little children and a business and all the things, um, I think it has to be us because if it's not, I don't know what this will look like in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and so we researched some communities that were doing it well and stumbled upon Austin, Texas, Foster Village, Austin. And I just booked a plane ticket one day and got real bold and said, you know, the, she could just say no, but I'm going to ask her if she'll meet with me. Um, and my fallback was that my sister lived in Austin, so I could see her and um, <laughs> just sat down and said, you know, can I can I ask you what made you start it? You know, much like your questions, what was your tipping point or what were your roadblocks? And <clears throat> she was like, you're me a couple years ago. <laughs> and, mm. uh, and so let's just start talking and, and, and I don't want to do more sites, but I'm intrigued by this idea of, um, other foster parents doing it in their community. And, um, and so probably six months after that is when we got the blessing from her to kind of launch and, and try it and, um, have been doing it ever since. Wow. And some people may not understand the agency part that you were going through. So can you maybe explain that a little bit? Yeah. So um, different states do it differently, but in North Carolina, we have the option to be licensed straight with your county or with private agencies that potentially could be open to serving lots of different counties. And there's pros and cons to that. And I think everybody needs to make the decision that's best for their family. Um, but in doing so, um, private agencies can pull from, a, you know, whatever counties they, they have um, that contract with. So a Mecklenburg County family could have a kid from Gaston County or could have a kid yeah. from Wake County. Um, or you can get licensed through, straight through the county and then you'll ha only have Met County kids that come into care. Um, and so it really just depends on the needs of the children, the size of the, the agency and what the needs are at the time. But what counties like to do is see if anyone in their county that's licensed with them can take in a child. And then when all of their options are depleted, they go to their private agency partners and ask who can take in these kids or, or this child. Um, and so, you know, it gives our city more choices for sure, but then it also creates this system of unintentional um, or intentional competition of, of <laughs> who is where and how many kids are placed with this agency versus this agency. Um and then it, it, it makes that competition against foster parents, too, of, of which, you know, which agencies are, are doing right by their foster parents in whatever terms those are. So in, in our area, there's around 16 different agencies that can license families here and then our county. And just no one was talking to each other. It was just not a yeah. system that would have anybody, you know, getting to know each other. One of the things I do love, <clears throat> there's multiple things, but one of the things is you guys don't have to worry about the red tape. You know, you'll, you can travel in and out of, of different agencies or different, you know, organizations and, and not be tied in or, or looped to just one particular one. 
Um, so after you met uh, the the person in Austin, you guys launched Foster Village. How has it changed from when you first started to where you guys are at now? It, whoa, so much, so much. <laughs> so we launched the summer of 2018, very grassroots, very volunteer based. Um, and really just, you know, that, that community driven sort of way, which we continue to do. We show up on doorsteps with welcome packs when kids first come into care. Um, but pretty early on, and we're a dot connector. We like to be the the resource hub of sorts of let's let, we'll do the research for you. So you don't have to, and, and we'll connect the dots. We don't want to recreate anything, but I think something that has changed for us over the years, um, from when we started is first the the um, ongoing emotional support and educational support that we provide foster parents. Mm-hmm. Now we we have someone on our team that's an LCSW, so it just helps us to be a little bit more cognitive of you know the supports that we give our, our foster families, where they can you know schedule a one on one with her or have support groups or have um, trainings, and then we have our resource center, which is really our hub. Mm-hmm. Where prior to the pandemic, we were using that for our support groups. And now we still have our welcome packs there and serves as our volunteer hub. Um, But we use it for uh, a more dignified option for our visitations in our community. So, um, so much has changed. I mean, I'm so grateful that the pilot looks now, um, but we're definitely more centered on education and emotion emotional support than we were when we first started, when we were first trying to find each other and build that community. Yeah. And that's so huge um, to have that. We've attended some of the classes you guys have done and they're very beneficial and helpful. And, um, you know, so they're, they're great. And to have that support is, is unmatched. So thank you guys so much for that. Um, What are some stories that have changed your your life or what are some, some of the ones that some of the stories that have just really impacted you and, and Tony, if you could answer maybe one uh, story as well, that has touched you so much. Yeah, I'll go first. Um, so when the pandemic hit, you know, everyone was struggling. Um, we kind of had that unique opportunity for that first two weeks or so <laughs> where, where humanity all came together and loved each other. <laughs> sure. well. Um, and, but we all, and we all experienced isolation and it was like, okay, now you can kind of, the people on the outside of foster care can maybe understand what some of us have maybe felt inside of it. But I, I think what, what strikes me is what if foster village hadn't been there during the pandemic and Mm. what would for our foster parents to have navigated that. And it's a really scary reality. The great part about what we had built was we were we were front and center to be able to advocate for the needs of of our foster parents and so you know i'm emailing people high up in in um, mecklenburg county asking what's your plan because a bunch of people are are struggling and you know visitations went virtual and court stopped and permanency halted and you know people are all of a sudden teachers in their homes and also therapists. And it's just, it was not something that was going to be sustainable. And I was grateful that they trusted us to have the the central voice of the community and to know what they needed. And so right away, we we were starting to talk with um, a bigger entity of the YMCA trying to figure out what are some 
options to, to help um, with, with this and applied for some grant funding that allowed for kids to get tutors and, and for families to have some childcare options um, when those things became available again. Um, so th those are the things that I'm grateful for that, you know, no one wants to live through a pandemic. Um, sure. You know, this was a kind of a marginalized group of people for lack of a better term. Foster parents are kind of hidden away in kinship families and biological families, you know, and someone had to say, what about them? What are we going to do about them? Mm -hmm. Wanted was a bunch of kids to have to be displaced again and, and to go somewhere else. Um, so those are kind of that was kind of our our my big moment of I'm so glad we're doing this work. It's hard, but I'm so glad that we're doing it. Um, and then I'll say that the foster parent bill of rights um, that passed in September was something that had been on our bucket list before we started Foster Village was we really need to, every county does it different and every agency follows their own set of rules and we need some standard in print reality, you know, for our foster parents and kinship parents to point back to and say, no, I'm allowed to do this. I should have access. Mm -hmm. to and, um, we were a state that didn't have a foster parent bill of rights. And so early on, we drafted one. We we did some focus groups during the pandemic and got to work with some agencies across the state um, and were able to successfully get it endorsed and um, and passed in both the House and Senate. And Cooper wow. signed it in September. And a foster parent emailed me a couple weeks ago that said, you know, I've been a foster parent for a couple of years now, and this was the first time that the judge said, um, because of this new bill, I am required to ask you, do you have anything to say? Um, mm. And that was one of the things that we had written in there, that foster parents have a right to speak in court. Um, and so those are two my two defining moments, I would say, with Foster Village. Sure. That's um, awesome. Yeah. What about you, Tony? Yeah, I would go back... Um into the pandemic pivot. Um, I wasn't deeply involved with, with this as you did this. Um, but, you know, the, the schooling went all virtual and I think it was August of 2020, am I right? Mm -hmm. And so Somewhere people were scrambling, trying to figure out where, what to do with my kid, where, where people were signing odds <laughs> all over and local entity, the Y and DSS and Foster Village and another um, local nonprofit, they create had a really creative solution to give, um, the foster parents first choice right to get their kids into the ymca pods around town mm -hmm. so i don't know all the numbers uh, obviously becky and all, all the team were a part of that but that was cool to see that solution happen because of this like this network of organizations working together and it i mean hundreds of families right mm -hmm. hundreds of families got to take part in that and um that, that was cool for me to see from the outside but but experience wise i um personally really enjoy when we all get together. So I back fondly of our Charlotte Knights game. This was pre-pandemic, mm -hmm. but I believe Charlotte Knights donated the tickets, mm -hmm. but maybe a hundred tickets and uh, Foster Village coordinated however many families to show up. And we all met in Romere Bearden Park. And here we were probably 15 to 20 families hanging out, kids running all over the place with each other. <laughs> the joy of, um, seeing all of us in the same shoes together, sitting in the same section of the Charlotte Knights game, um, just kind of 
just feeling like you're seen, like these people get it. These people are with me. And um, mm-hmm. so that's more me, less as like Becky's husband and she's the one of the co-founders, mm-hmm. but me is like, I got to experience it and sit yeah. with other families who, who are doing it. So those are some real life things I've, I've really enjoyed to see. That's fantastic. <clears throat> yeah, I know. Like even not long ago, we got to hang out um, at the brewery and our kids were playing with each other and that was such a fun time and, and be able to connect with that. So <clears throat> yeah, those are, those are fun experiences. So what's the future of uh, Foster Village, Charlotte? Where are you guys going? What's kind of the, the next step for you all to take? Oh, the million dollar question right there. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, what we've done well is um, created this network of, of community and built some really strong programs around the needs of our foster parents and we've gained trust. Um, and so I think a lot of it is building that infrastructure so it, it, mm-hmm. it can on when um, when the founders aren't there anymore. You know, we're always trying to think of what does sustainability look like because we need this 10 years from now and 20 years from now. And so some of it is the un, you know, it's not, not as fun work, but it's important work sure. to have business plans and to, you know, uh, think through foundations that, that understand our vision and want to support us so that we can have not just part-time staff, but full-time staff. Um, but I think our biggest dream right now is a bigger facility. We've really missed being able to be together um, mm-hmm. in, in bigger ways than having to kind of, you know, be partnered up with lots of places around the city. Um, we would really like to have a hub where kids are coming often, whether they're there to get services or speech services through a different entity, but they're also here because their foster parents come to a support group. And, and so it's a familiar space. Um, Mm. and that's kind of on our, our big plan right now is that we hope for a bigger facility that maybe we can partner with some other like-minded organizations or, um, businesses that would typically see kids in care and be able to do that a little bit more holistically. Um, and we're still, we're still, all about building the village for the entire, you know, group that surrounds a child. And that includes the birth families. Um, Mm. And really are um, working hard to, to gain partnerships and have some good research um, and good connections with um, exploring how do we wrap around our birth families, just as we do our foster parents and our kinship parents, what do they need and how can we do a more, um, trauma-informed and holistic um, transition back to the home because, you know, when kids leave, they may not come back to their parents, you know, this well that I I do, for two years, for three years, they're very different children. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes, foster parents and birth parents are unlikely relationships that don't get cultivated um, without some really strong intention. And I think what's sad and missing about that is that kids end up losing some of their support system to go back to their their home of origin which they should go to if they can Um, but what would it look like if birth families and foster parents worked in tandem together learned some similar skill sets as they were kind of you know transitioning back to the home and what if the the facility had the ability to do that cultivation well so those are that's the work if we can put our stamp down there of um, 
really being a village for all, then I think job well done. So um, we're still very much on that that road of, of research and, and vision casting right now. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing how we can partner with the birth parents um, and kinship parents. Um, that's huge. Uh, do you guys have any questions? I, I know it's been been me show, but um, Aaron, Brian, any any questions you guys want to pipe in with? Um, I guess like I know you were talking about um, like how there's the agencies and then like your your county like um, people you can go through. Like, where do you if someone's like considering fostering or thinking about it or um, where would you say to start? Like, what's the best? It's a great yeah. question. <laughs> Some agencies that hold orientation, so you can kind of go and get a little taste for how, how they do things. Um, but I think, you know, coming to our website, you can click on a, um, our frequently asked questions and um, and we have a document there of kind of what are some big questions that people have about foster care and how can we help you and just like JT said earlier you know we're we we don't have the red tape and we don't have um, you know any allegiance to one or the other but we are watching and so there are a couple of agencies that we would probably you know say better than others right now of who we think is really caring for their foster parents well so you know Get to know our community a little bit and asking those questions sometimes those things surface but everyone's different everyone's family is different but for sure going to our website fostervillagecharlotte.org um, and we often ho hold foster parent 101 classes um, and just some you know panels with seasoned foster parents because i think that's the biggest thing is that it can feel very overwhelming to know where to start i know it was for us and um and so we want to make sure that people understand yeah. these are I mean, you know, we're, we're normal, like we're regular and there's nothing special about us. Um, and so we, we did it and there are other people that, that do it. And so just being able to kind of see it lived out, you're like, oh, okay. Okay. I can kind of see how, how I could maybe show up that way. So that would be my first thing. Yeah. And then volunteer, you know, being able to deliver welcome packs and coming to events, again, kind of helps, you know, mm, do I want to do this or no? Um, and we've had about a dozen volunteers yeah. become just from volunteering with us. And then others that were like, I'm glad I did this because this is not my jam. And that's mm -hmm. fine too. Fostering is not for everybody, but um, yeah. it helps <laughs> members mm -hmm. around us the way they can. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I've, if you I've, wanted to volunteer, would you just go to your website? And contact you guys. Yep. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was going to cool. say, I think it's important cool. to mm -hmm. know, like you can, you can volunteer and you don't have to be a foster parent. There's numerous ways that you can get involved in fostering and adoption without having to foster and adopt. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Brian, you look pensive. You Okay. I'm just looking at all the screens in front of me. Uh, so I'm looking at uh, at your website right now, and you you have a lot of cool links there. Uh, there's an Amazon wish list. I see that. You want? Can you talk, tell me about what kind of stuff you put on there? Yeah, for sure. So our welcome packs are a week's worth of items for kids coming into care, and we are very strict that we only give kids new items. And we get that question a lot. You know, I've got a lot of. All my kids do hand-me-downs. We do gently use clothes around here for sure. But when a kid comes into foster care, that's a really um, 
hard time for them. And so we want to send a message that we care, that we're providing dignity, that that you matter, that this is only yours. And um, some of my favorite stories are, are kids that take that welcome pack to back home and they read the same story over and over again, even though a foster family might have a bajillion, to, you know, books in their home, but they know that that was the book that, that they had that was for them. Um, and so each welcome pack is about $250 worth of items, um, sometimes more, and all new with tags. And so in, we really do need the community support for that. So we have monthly donors. Um, and we're able to be real thrifty to, you know, when it's winter, we shop for summer. And when it's summer, we shop for winter. But nonetheless, there's always gaps in, in this system. And so um, we have an ongoing Amazon wish list that has really everything that we need right now. And any anybody at any point with, with whatever price point they can, whether it's, you know, $10 that gets a pack of underwear or $250 that gets a new car seat. Um, we keep that up to date almost weekly of the things that we need and it just ships directly to us. So it's an easy way to support us for sure. That's cool. What are any other ways that we can support you guys? That's the million dollar question. How can we get you a million dollars? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always, um, you know, it, it's always about building awareness. And four years ago, foster care was this hidden thing that no one talked about. Um, and so anytime someone new can hear about foster care and someone new can be, um, you know, a partner in whatever way matches what they can provide is a blessing. So whether it's sharing our posts on social media and getting us in front of your network that maybe we wouldn't know or joining as a monthly donor and supporting the programs that we do with consistency or being a volunteer or shopping our Amazon wish list or making a meal and putting it in our freezer. You know, there's just so many different ways yeah. to support, support us. So I would say following us on social media and subscribing to our newsletter is the easiest way to kind of see our ongoing needs. Um, but for sure, just engaging with us and sharing, sharing it, sharing about foster care, us being able to share now is is a huge way that that helps support us. So we can make meals and deliver them to you guys. Yeah, we have a deep freezer in our resource center, and um, our volunteers love it. And even people in our community that aren't, you know, exactly our volunteers but want to be supportive, um, they can't deliver. You have to be background check to be able to deliver a meal, but you can for right. sure. Um, put a, um, a meal in our freezer and people reach out to us every week. If they're having a hard time and something is going on, um, you know, they'll email us and say, Hey, do you think I can grab a meal? And, you know, just to have not have to have dinner is just, um, yeah. it's just so nice. And when we do welcome packs, we always send meals if they ask for it too. So it's just something that, that we can do. That's super simple, super easy. You can get your friends together and make some lasagnas or, do it by yourself. Um, and it is, it's a huge way for us to just send a love letter out to our community that takes on this big, brave love and this risk of having kids in their home. And, you know, it's just a, a way to say thank you. Producer Brian, I think we need to make some uh, pork butts. Uh, that's exactly we'll... what I was thinking. I need to throw an extra butt on there and take about 10 pounds down. Perfect. Fix this well, together, get in that freezer. There we go. We'll make it happen, Captain. Love it. Um, all right. So, Tony, you've been you've been hanging out and <clears throat> speaking about smoking meats. Um, <laughs> most guys, uh, when they get our age, 
uh, will either smoke meat or craft beer or do something. There's something but, like World uh, War II history, right? That's the other choice. <laughs> World War II history. But you decided to do something different. Um, what what was your hobby, or what is you, what what is your was your hobby that became your 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 passion? Yeah, so we um, we've always really enjoyed coffee. Um, so not necessarily like the hip um, trendy coffee, but just like the experience of a warm cup of coffee with our with our meal and enjoying it together. So when we were teachers still here in Charlotte schools, um, I found on YouTube that you can turn you can buy green raw coffee beans, put them in an air pop popcorn popper, and you could turn them brown, mm. like the ones you buy in the store. So it's called roasting yeah. coffee and. So I, I did that. I plugged it in in the kitchen and uh, did that. Smoked up our house and uh, loved it. It was it was super exciting and uh, addicting. And uh, we are now a decade into it, and it is no longer a hobby <laughs> at all. I bet that smelled great at first, right? It's a, it, it does. It's, it has a unique smell to it. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. a coffee bean is an agricultural product. So as you start roasting it, it starts with like a grassy bread-like smell and then it kind of turns into more of like a darker roasty smell and the smoke starts coming out and but yeah it's definitely a process wow. absolutely um yeah you don't hear that most often of i decided to start roasting coffee that's that's amazing <laughs> i don't i don't understand what are the different blends like tell us about like what what makes the coffees different yeah, so coffee is similar to wine. It's similar to grapes and um, how wherever you find them in the world, where they grow, their elevation, the climate that they're in, the soil that they grow in, the uh, vegetation they grow around, um, all of those things um, have a big impact on the final product. So um, every coffee bean that I buy is different than the other one. So it could be, I could, I could buy six different Colombian coffee beans from the country of Colombia and they can all be very, very drastically different based on hmm. how, where they were grown, all those things I just talked about, as well as how the farmer harvested them um, to get them dry and in the bag to me. Um, but what makes them different is the country. Um, so obviously every country within like the coffee belt, which is about 20 degrees north and south of the equator, um, hmm. has the ability to grow coffee. And um, so all these different countries have different climates and different soil and different everything. So that's one of the differentiators. And then the farmers all um, have the ability to process it differently. And that makes a difference. So that's the difference with what I buy. So when I buy those different co uh, countries, um, but then there's the blending that you mentioned that's where we just take a Ethiopian coffee and a Brazil coffee and we mix them together because they each have their own characteristics mm. and together they're better or mm. they make a different product. So that's what a blend is. It's literally combining two different coffees together. Okay. And this became such a passion for you that you have your own business now and you make your own coffee, sell it, all that kind of stuff, right? So tell us about... Enderly Coffee. Sure, yeah. So we, um, Becky and I moved to Enderly Park neighborhood in 2007. Um, it's on the west side of Charlotte, and we've been here for 15 years now. Um, it's our home. It's where our roots are. And so when we started the company, well, the hobby, which turned into a company, <laughs> we were going through different op opportunities for names. And 
we just thought it'd be cool to kind of pay pay respect to like where we are um and we named it enderly coffee um with no and i mean no real belief that it would become anything it was literally me in the backyard when i would <laughs> school day and i'd smoke up the neighborhood and then go <laughs> to my church and friends and family were like all the people i was roasting for at the time and just sharing it with whoever whoever wanted it um so that's that's kind of what what we are as Enderly Coffee. We're neighborhood focused, very community focused. Um, we now have a coffee shop, a cafe right in the heart of our neighborhood, like right on Tuckasegee Road in Enderly Park. And then we also um, roast and distribute coffee all throughout our region and up and down the East Coast right now. Hmm. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, in in fact, we our household is a subscriber of Enderly Coffee just because. Yeah. I love what you guys do. I love what you guys support. Um, and the, the coffee is fantastic. So kudos to you, sir. I'm, I'm not like the, the wine connoisseur of coffee. Like I put, listen, I put so much creamer in it. You don't really know what's going on with it. So ah. <laughs> <Not bad. laughs> yeah, so I just, but it, I do know it tastes good and it tastes really good with my creamer. So there's that. <laughs> What makes Enderly Coffee different than if I were to go to get Maxwell House or Star Starburn or whatever it is? <laughs> um, yeah, so it comes it comes down to all those different things I've already spoken about a little bit. So the, okay. the quality of coffee that we purchase, um, we we buy all specialty grade coffee, which just means it's grown with a little more care and taken care of better, and it scores better. Um, so that's one thing that differentiates us. But the roasting process, it's, it is a science and an art in and of itself, I'm similar to smoking butts, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> not, one, not anyone can do it. And everyone who does it does it just different. And so when I roast my coffee, it's how long do I roast it? How aggressively do I add the heat and the airflow at the beginning? Um, what temperature do I drop it out at? Um, what color do I want it? And how does the color affect the flavor as well? So all those things are kind of the artistic expression that I I put on the coffee bean when I roast it. And, um, and then you taste it. And if it was a positive result, then you can do that again. And you just keep improving, yeah. keep adding to your craft. I hear phrases like shade grown and fair trade and low acidic and that kind of stuff. That's, I mean, is that kind of where, where you guys are getting your beans from? Um, so, somewhere we don't put a ton of emphasis on all of the labels cause there's a hundred of them out, of, <laughs> out there. Um, sure. and some of those organizations, you know, if you go back and read a little research on them, they actually have done as much harm as good with the attempts of trying yeah. to, trying to do something really good. Um, so it's not the end all be all. Um, sure. So what we try to do is find um, providers who we really trust and are very transparent, mm -hmm. very ethical in how they source their coffee. And so we buy a couple of them directly from the farmers that we've met over the years. And um, that's really cool. We call it direct relationship instead of direct trade because direct trade is an actual organization. But like I, Literally went to Guatemala and got picked up from the airport from Armando. And um, that's the grandfather of the Leva's family. And it's his coffee that he's been harvesting. He's the fourth generation. And, and that, like, that's just cool. It's, it's very different yeah. than in a bag that just is stamped direct trade coffee. 
And I know that the, the money I'm paying his son, who is the importer here in America, it goes to their family and takes care of their, their community. So um, then the bigger importers I do buy from, they also are very, very ethical and transparent. So I can hmm. reach out for a connection back at the farm and I can actually um, communicate with the people that I, I would like to communicate with if, if I desire. That's really cool. So where, where can people get the coffee at? And one of the things I will mention too is uh, you can buy some of the, the, the coffee there and part of the donations uh, for a specific kind go to Foster Village Charlotte, right? Yeah. So we have one blend. It's the Foster Village blend. It's on our website, um, enderlycoffee.com. And um, if you go to the buy beans tab, it's, it's at the top of the page for uh, that specific reason. I want to make sure everyone mm-hmm. sees it. Um, so obviously you can buy through our website. We ship nationwide. Um, if you live local in Charlotte, we actually do a home delivery service every Friday where we actually deliver baked goods from local um, bakeries. And so you get coffee and th- I think this week we're, I can't remember what we're doing this week, mm-hmm. but last week we did cinnamon rolls from an amazing bakery down in Waxhaw. Mm-hmm. And then, um, the other thing is all of our partners. So the markets and shops around town as well as uh, grocery stores. We're in uh, the local fresh markets and we're actually in uh, Harris Teeters up and down the East Coast from Baltimore down to Georgia. Wow. So if you, you're listening to this and you're near Harris Teeter, that's one of the coolest ways to connect with this small family owned company. That's that's fantastic. Wow. Can, can you guys deliver just a little bit north to my house? Because I'd really love some of those spaces. They, they can bring it to my house. What city are you? I'll take my cut and then I'll deliver the rest. How's that? That's fair. Some people definitely, you know, decide to to have their order delivered to their friends. For sure, we have that. The pandemic, we had someone from Rock Hill try to meet us in a parking lot. Can can we have you meet us in the parking lot of the Trader Joe's? Yeah. Yeah. We're we're in Concord, so not not too much further yeah. but still yeah, we, yeah we'll send you to press and porter then like, yes they have our coffee press there. and porter downtown mm-hmm. concord mm-hmm. lovely folk oh so they have your coffee there mm-hmm. how did i not know that and uh well, 26 26 acre brewery have you been there they mm-hmm. got a beer as well the the rodeo joe there okay you go. there we go We'll have all that information on our show notes, guys. Thank you so much uh, for joining. I know it's a late night and you got kids and whatnot, but thank you so much for joining. Thank We're you, guys. to be here. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right. Well, have a good night. You thanks, too. you thanks. too. Thanks. Uh, I've had their coffee. Uh, you've been to Press and Porter. I didn't realize Press and Porter was using their stuff. That's that's great. I didn't know they delivered. I mean, I'm. I knew about Enderly Coffee from like friends and stuff, but I, I'm thinking oh, really? I've been there once, maybe. Hmm. The like the one down on Takasiji. I feel like I went there, so I met someone at a meeting or something. Hmm. I had no idea about the connections though. There <laughs> <So>. you go. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys. Um, any any last things to wrap up? Uh, you know. Can we get? Uh, I should have brought this up while they're on the call, but can we get a SFP bag of mm. coffee? Like, get a blend that goes really well with biscuits and gravy. Like, oh. carrot, you know what I mean? And then, mm-hmm. you know, profits go to whatever, you know. 
right, Foster well, Village, don't, don't, all that, you know. Yeah. Don't need to make you money off of it, but put our name on it, right? And have a really nice <laughs> blend or something. Uh, we tried that with that free lunch coffee one yeah. time. That didn't work out too I well. I like our chair. This feels a little better, you know. There's, it's, I can, I can drive there right now. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, let's, uh, let's get, we need our listeners to get more listeners and maybe we can, we can make it happen. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Southern Pride Philosophy Podcast. Next week, Jim Purvis will be um, on deck and he will tell us about how to make something. I don't figure know, something but it's going to be yeah. delicious. It's going to be yeah. good. You'll be hungry at the end of it. I'll tell you that much. I have no doubt about that. So <laughs> I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. I'll miss you all. But thank you guys again for tuning in. And as always, keep looking up. <laughs>